How long should you consider yourself an aspiring author? We'll talk about it on this episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. episode of the mind dog tv podcast i really want to be able to transition from that intro a little better Streamyard is not quite uh television <laughs> production uh studio yet and so transitioning smoothly from that video intro into welcome is not necessarily an easy thing but i thank you for coming and and being part of the show today it's monday actually today is labor day if you're listening around the world uh, and don't know what that means it's a day we americans celebrate labor uh and the hard-working people by taking off and not working at all <laughs> uh it also marks the kind of uh semi-official end of summer as summer doesn't end of course until uh september 21st or so around there generally uh with the equinox uh autumnal equinox vernal equinox whatever they want to call it um um so uh summer doesn't specifically or generally end until a couple of weeks from now but the official end of summer here in the u.s is generally thought to be labor day it's when we stop the big parties and all that stuff of course this year summer never really got started um, my guest today is about to start winter which is just friggin bizarre to me uh, i've been uh, following him on pay- facebook or and social media for the last couple of days uh, and as he's been nervously tracking a storm a winter storm they're calling it a winter storm and summer is still officially here uh which is really really bizarre and expecting to get two feet of snow out in denver colorado meanwhile in california it is 110, 115 degrees, and there are brush fires everywhere. Um, maybe there's something to this climate change thing, you think? Um, maybe, maybe not. Who knows? But uh sure seems like there's probably something to it. Anyway, I thank you for joining me on this Labor Day here in the U.S. If you're uh, listening around the world, I also thank you for joining me. You're probably at work, though. Um you know, yesterday I played a gig with the band. In a normal, a normal summer, Rockin' Forty Fives would play seventy to seventy-five gigs in a summer. Um, going back a couple of years now, this year we played seven, and only three was a full band. And yesterday was one of those. And each time you do it, it and when when you're gigging that sporadically, each time you do it, it feels like uh, just knocking the rust off, and you're almost ready to start playing again and then you take a break for a month and a half or so and don't play another gig so yesterday was one of those where i just felt like uh just getting to know the band again and it was just a very weird feeling got through it uh and but the body hurts your body takes a beating when you play you know four hours out not in the hot sun sometimes people don't understand uh the physical uh beating sometimes playing in a rock and roll band can give you and it's it's more than just playing it's you know we don't have roadies <laughs> at this level so uh you you take a, a beating moving equipment setting up equipment breaking down equipment playing the whole time uh there's probably some pictures of me passed out on a lawn chair somewhere yeah, <laughs> generally speaking but so uh it's kind of sad to see a summer that never really started 
uh, and come to an end uh, with just so few opportunities to really play out. And the real bummer of it is uh, Mikey got busted for dancing yesterday. Dancing. Um, basically, started to have too much fun and they had to come over and shut it down. No dancing. Really, really. It's hard to really celebrate music. It's hard to celebrate uh, the feeling of music and what music is all about, bringing people together when the the fun police are out. Uh, so that's my little rant for today. Uh, we have an interesting show for you today. An author of a uh, different kind of <laughs> different kind of novel, different kind of book. Uh, we're gonna a very interesting guy. We're gonna talk to in just a minute. First, I want to tell you about my sponsors, Funwise Capital. You've heard heard me talk about them before. Funwise Capital is a lender matching platform that gets you the best credit lines guaranteed. You can apply online in sixty seconds or less, and there's no effect to your credit to see how much you can get, none whatsoever. You can use the funding for anything you need to start or grow your business. Did you hear me say start? I said start. That's right. If you don't have a business, but you got a solid business plan, they can help you get funding. And now's the perfect time to start that business that you always wanted to start. You know, as I mentioned, Labor Day uh, is today, but so many people are out of work that it seemed a little uh, weird to be celebrating Labor Day. But the upside of that is the perfect time to start that business you've always wanted to start. Get a solid business plan. Go to uh, the link I'm about to describe to you at the end of this little pitch, and you can get funding to start your business. So uh, get the very best funding you can qualify. Their strategic lender matching platform searches through hundreds of lenders to find the very best possible option for your unique situation. They have hundreds of five-star reviews on Google, Trustpilot, and Facebook, and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. They provide unsecured lines of credit at 0% interest for 9 to 15 months. Zero. You can't beat that. Well, you could try to get negative 1%, but good luck with that, folks. Uh, they also uh, provide unsecured term loans, short, uh, loans based on income, short-term gap funding, and bridge loans. Uh, they work with real estate, startups, as I mentioned, franchises, restaurants, and any kind of business project you got in mind. Uh, so find out today how much exactly you can get by going to apply.funwise.com slash mindup. Apply.funwise.com slash mindup. My guest today, I believe, found me through uh, an in- interview with another author and uh, we kind of hooked up on on uh, social media and he expressed an interest in being on the show. And then I checked out uh, the books he's written. And as I mentioned uh, previously this morning or today, uh, that some of the books are a little different than what we're used to, to reading here on it. And I, I applaud that. I love different. I love uniqueness. His latest book is called real skin. Uh, and oddly enough, he's, published i believe uh, last count 11 books and his bio on amazon still says he's an aspiring author which to me is kind of funny yeah it's like me being an aspiring musician after 45 years in in the business but i appreciate him and i think you're going to appreciate this conversation please open up your ears open up your minds and help me welcome in ed green ea green the author ea green ed welcome to the show how you doing matt i'm doing well so uh uh, give because I follow you on uh, social media and know what you're what you're going through out there. Give the folks a little bit of perspective about how summer's coming to an end for you. Uh, yeah, it's about midnight tonight. The cold front hits us. I live just southeast of Denver, 
about 40 miles, but we're in the Palmer Divide, which raises us even higher than Denver. And the latest forecast this morning I saw is we could be looking up to two feet of snow. Wow, that's just insane. For the people who are burning up in, in California, that just seems like it's got to be like a joke. Like, you, you, you're kidding, right? Um, and and I, I posted some of the screenshots that, of the weather forecast that you had on there. It goes from, I believe, you had, two days ago you had 100 degrees, right? Or yesterday? We had, yesterday we had 97. Before that was 101. And so, yeah, we've had... Our average is 34 days in the 90s per year, and this year I think we're knocking on 80. Wow. Yeah. So, so do you think there's something to this climate change stuff? Oh, definitely. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm 51, and the weather today is nothing like it was when I was a kid. This weather is unpredictable. Right. Well, you were a kid. You were not in Denver, though. You were in Texas, right? Yes, I grew up, I'm a native of South Texas. I grew up in Rockport, Texas. Um, a lot of people know it as where the eye of Hurricane Harvey came in. Right. I don't remember Hurricane Harvey, to be honest with you. I, I know a lot of, when, what year was that? <laughs> uh, it was just two years ago. I think it was 2017. He hit us, and then it went up and sat over Houston and, and basically flooded Houston like eight feet of water or something <laughs> Wow, yeah. Well, there's been so many of them down there. It's yes. hard to keep track. And we've been getting a lot up here. I'm in New York, Long Island, New York, and we've been getting a lot of hurricanes over the years, too. So it gets harder to track them in, by, by names and stuff and remember them. Uh, I have to look up Harvey. So uh, you you were on the southeastern side of the state, Rockport. Is that where that is? Yes, Rockport. Is, most people know where Houston is, and I'm about two and a half hours south of that, about 30 minutes north of Corpus Christi. All right. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so it's a place where we used to go on spring break. Uh, I went to school out in eastern New Mexico. Uh, so right on the border of Texas, a place called Portales. I don't know mm -hmm. if you're familiar with it. So I, we used to go to Corpus Christi, you know, for spring break and that, that area across the state there because it's the closest place you would find water, I guess, within the driving distance. <laughs> yes. Uh, but so I don't know it very well. I know, I know the area somewhat and the beaches were great back then in the seventies and, and, and early. 1980, I guess. Mm -hmm. But uh, I haven't been there in a long time. So uh, you've been in Colorado how long? Uh, I returned to Colorado. I'm going on three years. And then I used to live for about uh, 13 years ago. I lived here for another four. And I just finally had to come back. I love it. It's a beautiful state. Oh, wow. Uh, so I mentioned in the intro that you you write a different kind of book. Um, <laughs> how would how would you describe your writing style and the things that you're really interested in? Well, I was and people have a little hardness with my writing style. I did not realize that um, when most people write books, if they're going to capitalize something, it's like the beginning of the sentence, a town, a name. Well, I'm a little different. If my uh, characters are upset, I don't want you to read they're upset. I want you to feel they're upset. And so I actually use capitalization in the middle of a sentence. So if they're stressing something, I'll capitalize every beginning word. Right. If they're upset, I'll capitalize the whole thing. And right. just recently, I've been told that that was a style of Vonnegut. It's how he wrote. Well, it's a very unusual style, so it's off-putting at first. But I'm starting to find out my fans love it once they realize what I'm doing. Right. 
um, but the subject matter uh, and specifically uh, of the latest book, Real Skin. Is that the, the latest one, Real Skin? Yes. Um, I just recently released Real Skin, and Real Skin is the subject matter. Um, it's a crime detective book. Um, it, the subject matter deals with a detective chasing down a serial killer. But while you're reading the book, you're going to continually hear ads for a company called AWRS, Androids with Real Skin. Right. And so it gives it a creepiness, but near the end of the book, you're going to find out that they actually have been playing an important role throughout the entire book. Uh, well, don't give too much away. <laughs> uh um, so that's, that's an interesting story. You know, I have a guy, a couple of guys on, uh, a couple of weeks ago who are from your area now, uh, where you live now, uh, not too far out of Denver and they have a website, uh, a, a podcast, which they, it's basically focused on the customer service line at a, uh, sex robot factory. <laughs> So people, yeah, right. So I'm wondering, and they talk about these, you know, robots that people are buying to have sex with. I didn't realize how big a market that is, and that, and that even in the United States, there's so many uh, weird dudes going out and buying robots to have sex with. Um, so the, the book kind of reminded me of that a little bit. So um, well, that's what they're selling. Is yeah. the company is selling sex dolls? But they're not made out of latex or synthetic. They have actually been able to manipulate them to where they have real, actual skin. Wow! Wow! <laughs> why? Why? <laughs> why do you think the world is? Ha I know people have had sex toys forever, but the idea—is it just the idea that you can just have sex and then forget about it and go back to your to your, your normal life immediately and not have to deal with anybody? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, there's no nobody telling you now, and you don't have to cook breakfast in the morning. <laughs> right? Do you do you write it for? Is there any sense of humor in this thing? Is it like a dark comedy, or is it uh, straight crime, not a true crime? Not, not no, I'm an I'm an author that likes to mix in sick humor. <laughs> right. So periodically, you're gonna be you might be reading something, you'll be shocked, and the next thing you know, I want to have you laughing because right. just I throw stupid shit in. <laughs> That's good. I appreciate that. And a lot of my my uh, authors have kind of tended to uh, include a lot of uh, dark comedy, dark humor in, in, in their writings. I appreciate that. And uh, so, uh, who who's your demographic? Who who reads your books? Who's who's the, the people that are really? Well, this is what's going to surprise everybody. Is I'm I'm not just a one genre guy. I don't even write in a certain genre. I write my stories, and then I see what genre they fit in. And so I've got horror coverage, sci-fi, cyberpunk, crime thrillers, and I even have a children's series. <laughs> you know, uh, accents are a funny thing. You know, I had a woman on here, and I was I was telling her her, her husband has been a Satanist, and it kept it sounding to people like I was saying Satanist. But so you just said horror. <laughs> And it sounded like I got whore covered. Uh, so uh, just, just clarifying that it was horror. Yeah, Celtics, that's Celtics' accent. <laughs> whore, I got whore covered. Uh, wow, you got a whore covered. Good, good for you. How, how, I hope she's waiting to you for after the pro program. 
Um, <laughs> so I mentioned you, uh, in your bio on Amazon, it says aspiring author, but you've written 11 books, or, or I, I believe that's the last count. Uh, why does it still say aspiring author? Uh, I am that still unknown. Um, yeah, well. I, yeah, I tried to break out, and then COVID hit, and right at the time I was fixing to go out and start doing book signings and throw myself out there. So, yeah, I'm just kind of spinning my wheels right now. Right. What was the thing on NBC that happened last week? You got covered by some magazine show on NBC uh, or something? The House of Mystery. Uh, it's. Um, I was interviewed by Alan R. Ward. He's a best-selling novelist who writes real crime dramas. So he gives you an insight into serial killers. He goes and interviews them and stuff. So I got interviewed by them, and it plays actually on NBC News Radio as one of the stations. Wow, that's very cool. I, I yeah. must have been pretty excited. Get a lot of uh, feedback from that? Uh, right now, not really. I've posted all my links out there. Um, close friends and family that saw it loved it. But, yeah. you know, it's, it's just out there in cyberspace with all the other millions of different ones right now. Right. Timing is everything, too. And this being yeah. Labor Day weekend here in the States, a lot of people just have other stuff on their mind. And yeah. and I'm sure that's the case here today with people at, at barbecues, at, at least in the uh, east here, it's afternoon. Where you are, it's probably uh, it's still morning. It is still morning, right? It's 11 a.m. or something. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so the day's not getting started and expecting a snowstorm. I don't think you're going to have a lot of barbecues out there today anyway. <laughs> I'm from Texas. My barbecue's on the front porch up here underneath the roof. Yeah, yeah, we've had them on, <laughs> we've had them on Christmas Eve and stuff. Uh, you know, it's always fun to do. Um, so, you know, being out there in, in that uh, part of the country, you say about, uh, like, book signing tours, that, you know, you don't have a lot of, it's not local. you got to get in your car and drive, like, hours sometimes, right? To- <laughs> yes. The closest bookstore to me is almost an hour away. That's just the bookstores. And yeah. so, yeah, it's a long drive because where I sit, it's either an hour toward Denver or an hour toward Colorado Springs. Wow. And so... Yeah, I'm kind of out in bumfuck Egypt. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I know how it feels, man. I'm, where I am, I'm close to New York City. People think we're close to New York City. I'm like 75 miles from New York City. But it's extremely royal, rural here. Mm-hmm. And when, pe- when people find that out, they're like, really? You know, that close to New York City, it's rural? And, yeah, it's it's wine country. Uh, there are there are still some potato farms and stuff around. But, you know, it, it's, it's not what people think of as New York City. So everything uh, for me, when I drive to a gig, it's generally an hour or more of a drive just to to get to any kind of gig i play sometimes two sometimes three hours uh so it's it's interesting that you know uh how the country is laid out and 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 basically what what it's all like so when you how long did it take you to write a book and and a book like real skin how long did you how long was that effort um that one actually took just over two months wow that's really how how long a read is it is a big read it's uh, just shy of 200 pages. Wow. Wow. So you're a very prolific writer. Uh, most people that I talked to, you know, I had one person on who your first book was, took them 30 years to write their first book. And now they're working on the second book. So, but, you know, I think it, it comes that way. Generally, your first book is, is more of a uh, chore then then once you get it down and you understand the process, it becomes easier along the way. How long have you been writing? Well, my first book took me almost 20 years. Um, 
I came up with the title in 2004, but I did had no clue what story went with it until about 2013. Wow. And that's when the story came. And then from 2013 to 2019, um, I was living with some roommates and one of them uh, basically was addicted to the computer. So it made it impossible to actually sit down and write at times. Right. And so, yeah, it took me almost 20 years for you the cicada to get her done. Wow. Um, the, this book is, uh, the latest book re- called Real Skin is available on Amazon. Let me see if I have a banner I can put up with, uh, oh no, I don't have your banner. Let me, let me put it up really quickly in the chat room for the book. Uh, put it over here in comments so people can see the link. The links will be available in the description as always. There you go. It's over there and put it on the screen right now. Boom. There it is. Uh, so that's where you can get um, real skin, and there's a link back to Ed's uh, main author page where you can see all the books. This book is about a serial killer. I am I've been fascinated with serial killers all my life. Have you had that as an interest uh, source in your whole life? Have you been interested in that for for a long time? Yes. Um, even as a kid, I was reading. I remember when Dahmer came out, that dude freaked me the hell out. I'm like, there are people really like that out there. And right. I'd already heard about Jim Jones and Manson. I'd read all these things. Um, plus, it didn't hurt. I had a, my dad was a horror buff. And yeah. so he, my first horror movie, I think I was five or seven, when he died just to see it. Wow. So, so uh, <laughs> age-wise, where, where do you fall in age-wise? Uh, how old are you? Uh, 51 61 50 51 so i'm 10 years older than you okay have you uh read uh or heard about a book called the ultimate evil maury terry no no i'm not i would suggest that book that will scare the balls off of you (laughs) um basically the idea of the book and it's it's a true story it's based on it is all around the son of sam cult Oh. And, and, and so the idea is uh, David Berkowitz was only the shooter at two of the many murders that happened. In most of the cases, he was a uh, dist- distraction or a, um, I, you know, a, what a lookout for, for the police stationed in areas. But it, the idea of it was a satanic cult behind the whole thing. And, and you mentioned Manson. The satanic cult is linked to Manson. It's linked to the uh, Hollywood stuff. Mm. Uh, the, the Raiden murders out here in, uh, in Long Island, New York. Uh, and, all, you know, Cotton Club movie and all the Hollywood um, insider stuff. And it's a true story. And it's really well-researched. Uh, and the idea of Satanism and uh, driving all serial murders, through, so many unsolved serial murders throughout the, the country for many, many decades. Uh, so it's a fascinating read on that subject. I read it 30 years ago, and it still terrifies me to this day. And there's still elements of it that I see uh, that are linked to it today. And one of them is a serial murder case that I'm fascinated with. Have you heard about the heard of the Long Island serial murder case, or what's known as the Gilgo murders. Um, we've been watching something about a Long Island killer. 
that was what 30 or 40 years in the making and bodies everywhere and yeah uh what happened was the our chief of police now i bring this up because i i know i've seen on your facebook stuff sometimes you 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 post some political stuff and i do too and i take a lot of grub for it but one of the things i got in an argument with with guy a guy who denied that police corruption exists at all and he's in my he's in my neighborhood and i said (laughs) Listen, our chief of police, my chief, of, our former chief of police is in jail. He's a suspected serial murderer who, and serial <laughs> rapist who's in jail for beating up the guy that found his gym bag full of sex toys with a little black book that had all the names of the girls who were murdered uh, and, and left along uh, Ocean Parkway. All of them were in his little black book. And, and so he went to jail for that. This is the chief of police. The DA covered it up. The, the district attorney for our, our county covered it up and went to jail for it. He obstructed justice and stopped the FBI from investigating the serial murder case that the police chief was involved in. The chief of detectives also went to jail for, for covering it up. Every cop on the force had to know about this because uh, the chief of police is basically, uh, you know, he's the only one really everybody suspected that it had to be a cop because uh, where it is, the, the, the strip where they found all the bodies was you know, it can only be a cop to successfully dump a body over there without getting in trouble in the middle of the night because it's filled with cops. That's all uh-huh. it is. So if, the idea is that every cop on the force was kind of covering up for the chief of police. And this is somebody who's telling me, well, police corruption doesn't exist. It really, it's really just a, a, a figment of your imagination. All, all cops are good cops. Like, no, nah. there aren't some good cops. But <laughs> for me to buy that in the county where I live in, it's very, very odd. Uh, so would you are you going to continue writing like about serial murders or are you going on to a different subject and what's your plans for the future um i do have uh, two more follow-up books that deal with two other types of serial killers um i try not to give it away but i'll share an easter egg for those that are watching the way real skin ends you have no idea if the cop is still alive or dead but the easter egg is there's two more books wow and cool and so he's going to deal with two different serial killers um, one of them actually paints pictures with, using the blood of his victims and then sells them. He's like a real known artist. And then the other serial killer is going to be a priest who kills when people come in with sorrow. If they're so ate up with sorrow, that third book's called Harvester of Sorrow. And he's a priest that basically, he's a serial killer, but he kills those that just want to give up on life. Right. Okay, he's going to help you out. <laughs> How does that affect you, right? About about this stuff? Does it affect you emotionally, or does it affect your personality at all when you delve into these subjects a little bit? No, not really. Like I said, my dad planted that dark seed at about the age of five for fun. He right. took us to see Friday the Thirteenth two weeks before going to Boy Scout camp, which was a camp in the deep dark woods of Conroe on a lake. And our campsite just happened to be the very last one at the back edge of everything, right where the serial killer starts. But my dad thought it was funny. Wow. <laughs> he sounds like a great guy. You know? yeah. what, what was he like? What, what, was his, uh, what did he do for a living? What kind of man was he? Um, he was actually a hardworking man. He worked with his hands. Um, he spent many years as a deckhand on a tugboat. 
And wow. so, you know, yeah, that's all. His fingers were so huge, they didn't make a ring big enough for him. It would have to be specially made because of how thick his fingers were. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's cool. You know, I always love hearing about um, people's fathers, grandfathers, that kind of stuff. It, it's just, you know, you get a, just a whole different perspective on who they are by learning what. what, what. Oh, yeah. Uh, how about grandfathers? Do you, do you have uh, good relationships with grandfathers? Oh, love my grandfather. Um, one of them passed away about four months after I was born. Right. So I didn't get to know him, but I was the first grandson. So the man loved me right off the bat. Um, my other grandfather was his dad. And that man was a retired from the army as a helicopter specialist. Wow. And so these were, you learn to work for your food. You get up at sunrise, you go to bed at sundown. You know, you don't, you're not given anything. That's how I was taught. Right. You get out there and you work for it. So growing up in Texas, uh, musical influences, uh, what do you, what do you like uh, music and what were, what were your musical influences as a young man? Um, my biggest one was I was at the age MTV came out when I was 13. Oh, so right. right then off the bat, I'm an 80s kid. I mean, just smooth as can be. Um, my parents were country folk. Right, that's what so, I was thinking, yeah. Yeah, so I grew up listening to Loretta Lynn, Dolly Parton, Patsy Cline. And so I've got a big country base also. Um, when I got older, it became more things like Alice in Chains, Nirvana. Um, I was in choir and band in high school, so I love classical music. Wow. And yeah, I've, I've, there's just so much of this and that. Our choir teacher, we were so well known, we got to sing for the Pope. And so she taught us how to sing in French and German. She would bring in specialists just to teach us the proper wording so we would get it right. And we, when I graduated, they had already won 12 years in a row that wow. the, the, for the whole state. They were just phenomenal. But growing up in Texas, I'm going to guess you weren't a Catholic. Uh, no, actually, um, my parents, my parents, my mom, their Southern family, Southern Baptist. Baptist, yeah. That's what, I, that's what I would think of is in Bible Belt, uh, you know, where, where I went to school, it was all Baptist and, and very deeply rooted in that. Uh, and I actually wrote a song on my experiences with that called uh, uh, Church on Sunday. It's, it's uh, I go to church on Sunday, raise hell on Saturday night. And basically that's that's the lifestyle. You, you're out in the honky tonks until 2 a.m. on <laughs> a Saturday night, and then Sunday morning you're in church. Uh, Let's doing, go repent. Yeah. <laughs> you got to have something to repent for, so you got to really work hard at it Saturday night. Uh, and that, that's the idea behind it. Uh, was that a big part of your upbringing, uh, that Baptist church or no? Um, I, my mom uh, kept us in it till I was probably about 12. And then she kind of pulled away because, you know, things are being said and done in the church. We just realized isn't as whole as they seem to be. And then I continued on myself um, from about 13 on. And even though I don't go to church today because there's just a lot that I think the churches today had me a lot to work on. So I have my faith, I have my belief, and I just try not to cause waves, you know, because we're all on our own walk. Right. Uh, I noticed, as I mentioned earlier on, on social media, you tend to uh, go for some political humor at, at times, and, and you, you kind of make your political stance well known. Do you take some grief for that? 
I have taken grief. Um, I've quit posting news articles as much as I can because right. it seems like even though I don't attack my friends that are Trump supporters or strangers that are following me, a lot of them seem to think it's okay to do that to me. Right. And so I've told them to back basically the fuck, the fuck off. You know, I have my belief. You have yours. Let's just leave it at that. Right. And so, but recently I've decided, you know what? I'm just going to post the humorous stuff. I'm going to pull away from this newscast said this and that one said that because honestly, you don't, they all change their mind the next day and say opposite. Well, so you right. don't want to believe anymore. Right. So, yeah, I just post the humor. I try, and even that still gets me grief at times. <laughs> right, and nobody's changing their mind. People made up their mind years and years ago uh, on where they're going to vote for. And party alliances, uh, I'm not a fan of the two-party system whatsoever. Uh, I just, I, I think that's why we're stuck with the crap that we're stuck with, and that's why we're as divided as we are. Somebody made a good point, though. Somebody I was listening to, I think it might have been Jordan Peterson, who I rarely agree with. Uh, he said, basically, he's looking at, the idea that people keep saying we're more divided now than we've been in forever. And he went through analysis of, well, that we're more emotionally uh, demonstrative of our division now. But the actual divide, if you look at how politics has gone and presidential elections have gone for 50 years the numbers are pretty much the same. You know, it's 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 forty eight percent for for the Republicans, forty eight percent or so for the Democrats, and and four percent that are undecided or independents, and not not much has changed. Though. So uh, from that perspective, we haven't become more divided on where we stand. We've just become more ugly about it. <laughs> Do you agree with that? Yes, I agree completely. Uh, even back in high school, I realized I don't like this party and I don't like that party. So I've been independent for like 30 years Me too. and and I, it just sucks when we we've reached a point now we're damned if we do we're damned if we don't right it's kind of like yeah and so but yes people seem to be more emotionally involved that they're willing to duke it out now yeah. they're not willing to sit down and just have a good discussion and let's part ways peaceably no there's going to be a black eye and a busted lip before it's over with right uh, I remember very clearly about six or seven years ago, I said I posted something critical of Obama and somebody I knew who was a, a hardcore Democrat uh, was ready to cut me out of his life because of it. And I said, we've been friends for 45, 50 years and you don't know barack obama at all you've ne he's never been in your life personally you don't know the man but you're willing to cut your friends out who, good friends uh, who, who've been with you in in good times and bad times been loyal friends to you and somebody who was there in need whenever you needed you're willing to cut that person out over a stranger who's a, a, a stranger a politician and that to me i i said that's the oddest thing i've ever seen where people become more emotionally attached to a politician or a, a or you know a president or what it doesn't, doesn't even have to be a president governor whatever than their own family and friends and it just becomes really bizarre when when you see it played out in that way <laughs> Do you oh have, yeah yeah i've known i've got family you know <laughs> because we don't agree with them and they don't agree with us they've like i can't even find them i'm blocked on facebook i've right. got friends that have blocked um, I've even had to block people because they become so rude and outspoken about it that they're willing to start to take you down and trash you. 
Right. And it's like, you know what? If that's the kind of person you want to be, I don't need you. Because right. it's, it's bullshit. We should be able, like our grandparents, be able to sit down, have a discussion, and still shake hands afterwards. But it's not that way anymore. It's right. more afterwards we're going to fist it out. Right. For, for a stranger or yeah. a party or something. It's just crazy. I totally agree with you on that. So uh, back to your books for, for a moment, if we may. Uh, your, your books are on a publishing called Breaking the Rules Publishing, and that sounds familiar to me. I think I might have had some of the authors. Uh, is that your publishing company? Or is that a self-publishing thing, or is it part of a bigger publishing company? Uh, because it sounds familiar to me. It's a bigger publishing company. It's run by Christopher Clausen Rule um, out of, I think, St. Petersburg, Florida. Um, he basically was like us trying to get his foot in the door, and a lot of people are going to learn a hard lesson. That foot in the door can cost you money. It's going to possibly cost you people that do not give a shit about you. They just want your book in their hands and the, the terrain and rule it. And that's what he went through, and he was complaining. And I guess his daughter said, well, Dad, put your money where your mouth is. Right. And so he opened up this publishing company. And what I really love about it is he's not looking for the everyday I want to fit in author. Right. He, sees, he wants those that are willing to break the mold. And so, yeah, when I sent in my first book, that pretty much broke the mold because he had never uh, right. read something like that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I would, I would say, just looking at the titles, you could tell that you, you're not, um, you don't fit into a cookie cutter design anywhere along no. the line. Uh, what, what about reading in general? Uh, my, my view on reading is it's become a lost. Uh, and although most publishers I talk to say I'm dead wrong on this, I think people are reading less and less of uh, books. And if they read it all, it will be news headlines. They don't even read the entire article yeah. because social media has trained us to, to read one sentence at a time. And that's that's too much work. Uh, so what, what's your take on that, on, you know, just reading in general? I think it's going to become a lost art. It's I thought when COVID hit, I'm going to sell books right. and I'm finding out the same with every other author out there. Nobody's reading. We have become a electronic society and yeah you have those that rekindle but most everything is visual they want visual so or, visual stimulates us and or and audiobooks i wanted to talk to you about that have you considered doing audiobooks because uh the idea that you can put it on your portable device and if you have a, a long ride to take you can listen to it in the car while you're driving seems to me a lot of books are are, are getting uh, more traction with the audio books and i know it's not it's not the same experience listening to somebody read a book rather than read a book yourself but what about that have you considered doing that i've thought about it but like you know i at my age i know a lot of people i can tell you one person i know that does audio books really? everybody else either has the physical book or they've moved on to kindle wow. and but even then it's like nobody really reads anymore yeah, I can't deal. I can't deal with Kindle. I'd rather have a no. uh, a book. And uh, for some reason, just uh, you know that whole reading on it. And on my phone, forget about it. I you know I've just, my eyes are just too gone to re read the books. But the mm -hmm. younger generation, I think, is very phone uh, centric. They live on their phones, uh, and I yes. know that the younger generation is um, more apt to to. 
adapt to audiobooks and they like having it read to them because it, reading is work and having it read to me is not. <laughs> I agree, I agree yeah. on that. The yeah. younger generation, honestly, I'm sorry if I take you off, younger generation, you're lazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know somebody that bought her daughter a steam pot. And so for Christmas, she's trying to get her daughter off the couch into the kitchen to show her how it works. The daughter's reaction was, oh, mom, just videotape it for me. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. yeah, but there is something uh, unique and special about reading. And I, I, I try to kind of explain this, and it's, it's difficult for me to explain. But with reading, every if two people can read the same book and not have the exact same experience. Your experience is the one you create within the silence of your own mind. You put your own spin on the voices you're hearing, although with your books, yeah, as you mentioned, you try to show the emotion, but still the reader has license to read that emotion any way they want. And mm -hmm. when you have it read to you, that it all goes away. You're now being, you're getting that, that license to hear those voices in your own way taken away from you and it changes your experience of the book and makes everybody's experience pretty much uniform yeah uh, you're being spoon fed you're not actually eating any meat yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and, and you know that's pretty much the the way society is going in general with everything uh it's really sad to see but uh i try to to kind of look at it through the perspective long-term perspective and i know my parents and grandparents looked at the technological technological innovations of my time and the music I read and the books I read, like the world is going to hell. And uh, so they look upon the stuff that I, they looked upon the stuff that I was into as, uh, you know, not great art and uh, a decline in civilization. And now I'm old and I find myself becoming my <laughs> grandparents. Yes. <laughs> that is. Oh, that music sucks. You call that art? Yeah. yeah. Same here. <laughs> well, I mentioned your demographics, asked you about your demographics, because I'm curious. I found out just doing the research on my own stuff yesterday that my biggest audience is actually 18 to 25-year-olds, which blew me away. Uh, on, on the podcast listens, uh, not so much on the on the video side, but the, uh, the podcast downloads and streams, uh, 18 to 25, and 70% of my audience is under 44 years old, which blows me wow. away because I'm 61. I would expect people who, who would listen to my show on a uh, daily basis would be around my age because, you know, you just expect that's who, who would find you. And but uh, So I'm really surprised by that. Do you have any uh, demographics like that on your book, how old people are or, you know, gender-based mm. or any of that stuff? <laughs> Well, it seems like, yes, the like my first book, you know, this came to the older generation because of the language and because of, like, one of my characters. They hit, the, it's like a wall, and they're done. They can't right. go on. The younger generation, like people that I grew up with and younger, don't have a problem with it. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah, I would, and the younger generation has a definite more pronounced uh appreciation for dark humor in in mm -hmm. especially but they also uh they're pushing the boundaries towards what's shocking so uh 30 or 40 years ago something about real skin would have been like extremely 
controversial would have drove in media nuts it would have drove in all uh you know the, the christian right would have came out and said this book is evil which would have helped you sell more but today it's like uh yeah it's uh, okay it's just part of society right it's acceptable yeah pretty much they it doesn't take really you gotta work hard to shock today's kids right you really do yeah. and so um yeah, you're right. Real scared a while back. Yeah, no. I probably would have been told you can't put that. You can't do that. You can't right. say that. Right. And so, yeah, my I'm just grateful that I have my I have a cousin, and she's a best selling author. And um, so I called her up, and we got to talking because I'm like, I want to write a book, but I'm scared to put this and that in. And her exact words to me because she she writes the supernatural erotica <laughs> wow so, yeah so her advice was you write it the way you're hearing it and if the publisher has an issue they'll tell you mm-hmm. and obviously breaking rules didn't <laughs> what is what exactly is supernatural erotica is it sex with ghosts <laughs> pretty much ghosts vampires they kind of mix that it's like the twilight you know she's normal he's not i fall in love they fall in love and she writes that, but she actually goes more into the eroticism of it. Chicks, so, get, chicks get hot for vampires. Uh, I, I, ne- so. I never knew that, or I would have become one when I was a younger man. I, if I would have known that, that vampires are, are what they were after, I would have de- been dressing up like that. You know, I would have been goth big time, would have got a couple of fangs, whatever. Uh, why do you think chicks chick are so enamored with vampires? You know, I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> right now, what's shocking me is I'm starting to realize a lot of the uh, male male erotic novels are written by women. Right. And I'm like, wait, <laughs> uh, okay, uh, why? Is that what you think? I mean, I don't see how their mind would go there, especially if they're straight women. And I'm like, I'm just kind of shocked over it myself. I I would have been six months ago. I had a, a author on uh, David Monster who writes, you know, homoerotic uh, novels. Uh, he writes novels about uh, gay wrestler Rowdy Armstrong. He's got uh, several. Uh, he's got one that is like a pure homoerotic love story. And he told me that his largest audience, because he gets a lot of mail about, it's from straight women who are just turned on by uh, the. I guess the romance in the gay eroticism, but uh, so I would, I would have been shocked by that fact months ago, but now it seems like I'm hearing more and more of it from, from people, authors that I've had on that uh, women like gay erotica on homoerotic stories. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just, it it was shocking because the more I see these things out there that I'm competing against, I'm like, that really okay not what i expected <laughs> so does that come into your mind when you're writing something do you kind of uh think well I, you know i'm gonna have to include some of this stuff or i have to make it more shocking do you do you, does it tend to influence the way you write the, the the ideas about what happens in trends in society uh, no no i'm just like i'm just gonna write it and write it and let the chips fall where they may i'm not out to purposely put it in um, my first book that I bring up, it comes with a graphic warning. Before, just as soon as you open it, there's a warning right off the bat because it is not made for children. 
Well, if you put that on the cover, I bet you it would sell more. I was thinking about putting a stamp on it, a parental advisory stamp. <laughs> you know, I think we found out since the days of Tipper Gore in the record rating industry, uh, yeah. a record record industry, that putting a rating on something or, or warning people that it contains stuff, it helps it sell. Uh, so this show is definitely triple X rated. Don't let your kids listen to it. Um, and you know, I'm going to put that warning on and I, ha- I have my, some of my best, uh, shows have been, have come with when I put this adult warning on it when there really was nothing really that shocking in it. Uh, I just put it on there to see how it would do. And we got a lot more, got a lot more downloads simply because the warning was on, on the graphic for the, for the podcast. So it's people are more inclined. If they think it's bad, I'm going to check it out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so where do you go from here? What, what's your, uh, I know you mentioned COVID kind of, it, it has to everybody. Um, do you have any plans for, for the future or are you just living day by day? I'm living day by day. Uh, way out here in the rural area, it's nothing most people worry about because we're just so spaced out as it is. Right. And so even when we get out and about, it really doesn't bother me. Um, cause the way I, I'm sorry, this is going to upset some, but I don't care. I'm for her. I am for the herd mentality. This ain't going nowhere. It's going to be here for the rest of our lives. Let's do it and get it over with. Yes. A lot of people may die and that is sad, but it's not even nothing compared to the normal flu yet. More still have died from the flu than this thing. And well, so yeah. to me, the flu is more dangerous. Well, that's a that's a curious thing is that flu season is coming and I'm wondering how we're going to react to flu season when it when it hits, because uh, we've seen this like and, you know, I don't want to piss people off, but it is a panic. You can't you can't describe what what we're going through in any other terms than a pure panic hysteria. So I'm thinking when flu season hits and God forbid it's a really bad flu this year, I think uh we're just going to ratchet up the uh, hysteria and panic. And uh, what we've seen over the last six months has looked just like a training day for what we're Yeah, they're not ready for this. If they're willing to lock us down at this point, then it's, to me it's not that bad. That if it does go bad, then, yeah, we might as well get used to never walking out of our house. Right. Because they're going to arrest you. Right. A friend of mine was talking about this morning because we played a gig yesterday uh, and we played a gig at uh, Long Island Yacht Club. And so the it's it's divided. There's a pool on one side and there's a bar on the other side with tables. People at tables aren't wearing masks, but as soon as they get up from their table, they need to wear a mask. He got stopped from dancing because uh, that's against the, the rules. You know, you can't have too much fun. But the people in the pool area... Nobody had a mask, and they were all together. And and so it, it's just like he he said, it's a control issue. It's 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 you know it, people don't care about anything. They're just trying to control the population. And, and this is his theory on it. And you know I don't want to argue with people about their beliefs, but that's his firm belief that it's just a a practice run for people in authority to be able to exercise control over people and get people used to the idea of being controlled. Would you yeah. have any thoughts on that? That's actually, yes. I know people right now that didn't think that at first when all this started. And right now they're, they're just like, they can't believe what they're seeing. Right. And if they, I mean, come on, people are being arrested. You're the only person on the beach. You're arrested. Wow. Go to Walmart, 300 people. Oh, you're fine. 
Right. I mean, it's 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 so out of whack. Inconsistent that, definitely isn't inconsistent and doesn't make much sense when you when no you, from that perspective. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so uh, are you uh, are you an optimist or not? Yes. <laughs> really? Yes. I'm always like look, I'm always trying to look for the bright the brighter side. I'm always trying to look. I was taught at an early age: don't look for the darkness, look for the light. Because if you look for the darkness, you'll get drugged down into it, and you, that's where the depression and all that other crap lies. And so I've always been taught to look for the light. And so I've, I'm an optimist, but I'm a realist too. Right. Because I know that sometimes, no matter what you hope, you're not changing shit. It just is what it is. Well, that that's a, a interesting thing because I had Scott Page on from Pink Floyd, the saxophone player from Pink Floyd in the '80s, and he basically that was that's his mantra, and I, it was uh, unique for me to hear that. Even though I've been kind of thinking in terms of living in the moment. Uh, for a long time, but he said, you know, people are are so tied to expectations of of what they want things to be and what they uh, where they thought things were going that they forget that it was an illusion. So if I had plans for yesterday for tomorrow that get canceled, it never happened anyway. It was just a thought, an imaginary, mm-hmm. an illusion. All that really matters is the here and now. And yes. it, it was refreshing to hear that perspective. It's hard to, for, for a lot of us to grasp that, but it's a, it's a cool f- philosophical place to be where if you're just living, all that really matters is this moment right now. Cause that's mm-hmm. all that's real. The past is, is uh, a memory and the future is just an, uh, an illusion or a hope and, and where we, you know, so that's a great philosophy and it kind of ties into what you were just saying, kind of, you know, it, yeah. it, Nothing you can do about it anyway. No, I'm that guy. I used to, when I was younger, I'd step, because I worked outside in the lawn industry for 15 years. And I was that guy that stayed up until 10, 1030 to see the news so I could see the weather, to see what tomorrow's happening. And then eventually I realized, why? Why are you losing sleep? Because you won't know what tomorrow is until you get up. Right. So no matter what he says, you, you can't base your day around that. Right. And you, you are like, oops, this fell up. You are right because I'm also one of those guys. The past is the past. I cannot change it. I can apologize for it if I've done something wrong. But all I can do is take that as a learning experience, look for the signs in the future, and try not to do what I did and try and make the next, if chance happening of whatever, more of a positive thing. And so, yeah, it's a daily thing. Today I get up. I do not know what's happening tomorrow. So why lose half your day worrying about it? Just you, that's just it. You worry about it. You've lost half your day. Right. So see, so you haven't been in uh, Colorado that long in the area where you are that long. Uh, so is it totally an anomaly for a snowstorm right after Labor Day? Is it like unheard of? No, I think the last I saw, they had a September the second, like twenty. It's been twenty years that they've got some kind of measurable snow that beat this date, but they've never had anything like what they're predicting. Now this is going to break all records. 
So did, with something like this, will you be out shoveling or do you, will it snow? Because when I went to school in New Mexico, it would snow overnight. We'd get seven or eight inches overnight. And by noon, it would all be melted. You'd never have to shovel anything because the sun would come out and melt it. Is that what you're expecting with this thing is that you're not going to really have to do anything? Anyway? Even two feet will kind of get melted by a, a strong. Yeah, so that's- yeah it's going to get melted. The only thing we'll have to show is our back door because it faces north. Right, but um, it's going to be below freezing for two days now. It was all supposed to be that one. Now we're into two, and wow. so. But it, as soon as it starts to warm up, because it's that thick, heavy snow, it's just going to melt, and everything's just going to be nasty. <laughs> it's just so strange, man. Uh, and people, are, you know, the people here in the Northeast, they hear two feet of snow, and that it that means we're going to be shut in for a week, and people are going to lose power and all that kind of stuff. And it does, definitely means out with snow blowers and shoveling and all that stuff, bad backs and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's just so weird to hear that, you know. Uh, or for people who haven't been in that part of the country to realize mm-hmm. that two feet of snow is pretty common and the sun will take care of a lot of it, it very yes. quickly. Um, very strange, very strange. Uh, yeah, the only time it sticks around is when you get more up from December till about end of February. Then at that point, if it, you get two feet of snow, it could take a month or more before it even melts. Right. So, so just... <laughs> What about you personally? Uh, are you uh, working right now or are you uh, not working? Uh, no, actually, I'm on disability. Um, I've got really bad arthritis, and I have three types of it. So it wow. prevents me from doing a lot of physical activities anymore. And so I spend my time writing. That's what I'm doing for a living. Good for you. I'm, yeah, I don't want the government in my business. Yeah, I'm on disability, but I don't want. I want to change that. I want to be making enough books and enough money to survive to get the government out of my life on that part because they're deciding how much I get to spend a month. They get to decide my medical. And so right now, all those important personal things, I have no control over. I have to go with the flow. And I don't like that because nowadays, as we're seeing, the flow is not good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, I, I my preference is not to have the government involved in my life or have them involved to the minimal extent uh, yes. necessary. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I'm a governmental minimal, minimalist. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Y'all stay uh, over there. Just stay in the corner. <laughs> yeah. Well, this time went pretty quickly, uh, so we're wrapping up here on an hour. What, what, what's a big uh, besides from people go and check out your books and, and purchase the books on Amazon, which the link again will be in the description. Uh, the link to all of its books and it goes by the name E. A. Green. If you're looking them up and you're googling that, it's E. A. Green, not Ed Green. Uh, but so, what's the big message you want uh, to people to take away from this conversation? Or anything, anything come to mind? Um, if anything comes to mind, it's just like, take a step back and breathe because, you know, today's going to be different from tomorrow and that day's going to be different from the other. And without friends and family, you're in this world all alone. Right. And it, this is not the time to be all alone. It is not. 
Yeah, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about the COVID stuff, and it's it's kind of an unavoidable conversation to have. Uh, you know, we always prefer, like, because it's in the news and we're just worn out by it, not to really talk about it. But the one thing that really strikes me about this whole thing is the mental health uh, of the nation as a whole and the world as a whole going through this stuff. Mental health uh, issues that, that have arisen from this stuff have been enormous. And we, yes. we're seeing a lot of what I call almost infantile reaction. Like, I just want this to be over. Yeah, that's like a two-year-old stomping their feet and wanting, <laughs> wanting to change things. It's, you, we all want it to be over. Whether No matter what your politics are, we want this to be over. And nobody is happy with the situation here. Uh, so that's one thing about it. But the idea that, you know, the mental health part of it, and you know, we're all going a little bit crazy. And so Latch on to whatever you can. You mentioned friends and family and all that stuff. Latch on to whatever you can to really hold on to your sanity and try to make the best of it. Yeah. Try to keep a sense of humor. Read Ed's book and you'll, and you'll get a few dark laughs out of it. That's all I bet they will. <laughs> well, I thank you for your time, sir, and I wish you great success. Keep in touch and stay in touch and come back when, whenever you feel. If you get another book you want to come out and, 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 uh, and promote when, when your next book comes out, I'll be happy to have you back on and we'll shoot the breathe again that sounds awesome matt thank you thank you bye for now this episode is brought to you by put me in the story put me in the story creates personalized books for kids by taking best-selling children's picture books and well-loved characters and allowing you to create personalized books that make your child the star of the story alongside their favorite characters Save 25% store-wide when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code SAVE25. We're also sponsored by Lovely. Lovely is your online stop for modern, irresistible, and affordable women's clothing. Never before has dressing yourself been so easy. Lovely's carefully curated selection of apparel, accessories, and outerwear are always on trend and always available at the web's best prices. Lovely is dedicated to delivering high-quality clothing to women that will make them look and feel their best. They believe every woman has the right to dress well and shouldn't have to spend a lot to love how she looks. They make it easy to wear outfits you love every day, giving you the confidence to take on the world. Lovely.com summer fashion trends are now 40% off, starting at just $5.99. Get an extra 18% off when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code JFT18. We're also sponsored by VaporDNA. Founded in 2013, VaporDNA is the premier online vape store offering an industry-leading selection of electronic cigarettes, e-liquids, and accessories. Their friendly and knowledgeable customer service team is always ready to provide the best customer service experience to ensure you find what you're looking for. They guarantee their products to be 100% genuine and at the lowest possible price. They're so confident in their selection and customer service, they offer their customers a 45-day refund policy. Save 20% when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code ORIONQ. EA Green, the, the author of uh, Real Skin, which is out now. It's on Amazon. Plus, he's got oh, a plethora 
I just wanted to use that word. A plethora of books available that you can check out a short synopsis on and get a, a feel for it. Again, uh, my part of uh, uh, my takeaway from just the whole bit is, you know, we're all going a little bit crazy. Grab yourself a good book uh, and, and maybe have a laugh or two, an interesting look into uh, a whole different aspect of writing. As he mentioned, he's not he's not the cookie cutter uh, author that you, you're quite used to. And his publishing company embraces and celebrates that. Uh, so Breaking the Rules Publishing, it sounds like a great um, resource for the, those type of books, those type of authors. If you're so inclined, I hope you do check it out. Uh, so I hope you got something out of this program. I hope you enjoyed it. Tell your friends about it. Subscribe. Go to my YouTube channel. Subscribe there. You know the deal. Go to MindDogTV.com. Get on my mailing list. Questions and comments for me. Info at MindDogTV.com. That's info at MindDogTV.com. I am I thank you for spending this Labor Day uh, Monday uh, hour with us. And until this evening, when I'm just going to call him Yoel uh, because his last name is a little bit too difficult for me to pronounce. So tonight, I'm just going to have a hangout with Yoel, who's uh, the uh, host of a podcast called Hangouts with Yoel. So it should be a fun, no topic, no, it's just a free uh, free conversation free-flowing conversation about whatever he wants to talk about uh and i just thought it would be fun the young man from ethiopia who uh, uh basically came to america and uh has uh adapted well and now is in the podcasting game and he holds a uh, weekly podcast called hangout with duella at 8 p.m tonight eastern join me then until then i'm matt napple for the mind dog tv podcast thanks for coming Enjoy the rest of your day and bye for now. Come on, baby, won't you dance a little closer? We shake it down like a good girl supposed to. Come on, ride me like a wild roller coaster. My guns are loaded and I'm reaching for my holster. Come on, baby, won't you squeeze a little tighter? I want to know if you're a screamer or a biter. All I'm looking for is a good old nighter. I go the distance like a good prize fighter.
This is a short bed. You got a stick. This is ram tough. You know what I'm saying. Hey, naked in the back of your truck. Is that your pickup line? I think it's stalled. Maybe you need to jump. I think you got a flat. Hell, you know what I mean, Bubba. This ain't no love song. 